The question I would like us to ponder this morning. Ready? How do fairy tales, or fairy stories in general, particularly as C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien understood them, help us live out the gospel more effectively? Look, I can't help it. It's kind of like a disease. I've taught literature and read literature for 30 plus years. And I've also been teaching Bible and theology classes and preaching sermons for the last 25 years. So in my mind, those two things go together all the time. We can start to answer this question of how do fairy tales help us to live out the gospel more effectively by listening in on a rather heated discussion about myths that Lewis and Tolkien had one night in 1931. Lewis gave a memorable line to Tolkien. He said that myths were lies even though lies breathed through silver. Isn't that fun? No, Tolkien responded emphatically, they are not. Now, let's stop and contemplate for a moment. Discern your own mind and heart for a moment and consider if you don't think about myths and fairy tales the very same way that Lewis thought about them. Does Tolkien's response seem just a bit strange to you? No, they're not lies, even though breathed through silver. If the answer is yes, this is Tolkien's response seems strange, and would imagine that it is for all of us at some level, then realize that you've been bitten by the bug of modernity. And again, all of us have been bitten by this bug. We can't help it. We've grown up in the modern world and we are affected by modernity. It's the water we swim in. We don't even see it most of the time. One of the best things we can do is realize this and strive to fight against the effects of the bite. Tolkien resumed the discussion with Lewis that night, arguing that myths, far from being lies, were the best way of conveying truths which would otherwise be inexpressible. We have come from God, continued Tolkien, and inevitably the myths woven by us, though they contain error, will also reflect a splintered fragment of true light, the eternal truth that is with God. Tolkien is arguing that even pagan myths of antiquity show forth the light of truth, and therefore at some level the reality of God and who he is. We remember that St. Paul argues in the first chapter of the letter to the Romans that the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Creation shows forth the attributes of God. The myths of antiquity are created by God's creation, humans, and reflect the world around them to a great degree. So it seems, in, seems inevitable that they would contain at least a splintered fragment of true light, as Tolkien expressed it. Tolkien also more or less convinced Lewis on that late night that Christianity worked just like those ancient myths, with the exception that Christianity is the myth that is completely true. It is not a story that has a splintered fragment of true light within it, but a story that tells and reveals the complete true light 
of the gospel of Christ, the Savior of the world. As, as one writer put it, Tolkien maintained that Christianity was exactly the same as those myths, except for the enormous difference that the poet who invented it was God himself. And the images he used were real men and actual history. Madeleine Le Engel argued in an introduction to an audio version of her novel, A Wrinkle in Time, that adults seem to have a hard time with what is thought of as children's literature because it is too difficult for them. I love that. The problem with my book, she says, is not that it's too difficult for kids, but that it's too difficult for grown-ups. Too many grown-ups tend to put themselves into little rooms with windows that don't open and doors that are locked. And they want to close themselves off from any new ideas. As moderns, this is how we've been taught to be and to think and to live in this wild world that God has given us to live in. We close ourselves off to the beauty and the richness of the world and try to think like machines. We think that the land of fairy is for kids when Tolkien and Lewis, after Tolkien finished with them, understood it as perhaps even more for adults and certainly more for their good. Part of the problem with our lack of belief in fairyland and the adventures that happen there is that we also then close ourselves off to the language and form of much of the Holy Scriptures and especially to the Gospel. <clears throat> Tolkien describes fairyland. The realm of fairy story is wide and deep and high and filled with many things. All manner of beasts and birds are found there, shoreless seas and stars uncounted, beauty that is an enchantment and an ever-present peril, both joy and sorrow as sharp as swords. If this description does not also bring to mind the gospel, then you have an indication of just how far gone we all are in this modernist agenda and an idea of the need we all have for our minds to be redeemed from the world of pure facts and to be brought back into the world of story. The Christian life is exactly a life of both joy and sorrow, as sharp as swords. The immensity of the mystery of the incarnation itself is a beauty that is an enchantment. The great theme of the dying God in the ancient myths finds its fulfillment in the incarnation death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, one 19th century writer, Father Michael Sadler, emphatically pointed out that the gospel itself, far from being a collection of biblical facts, is in reality a story. The word gospel in the New Testament, he says, is applied exclusively to the announcement of certain events occurring at a particular time in the history of the world. These are the incarnation, birth, baptism, temptation, ministry, miracles, betrayal, condemnation, death, burial, and resurrection 
of Jesus. This is the meaning of the word gospel. The gospel is not a collection of doctrines or facts about God and man. The gospel is a story. We lose this distinction at our peril. Both the peril to us as individual Christians, but also the peril to the church itself as a society, a body. When we as the church forget about the gospel as story, then we lose the means by which the gospel is meant to be conveyed. Indeed, we lose the biblicity of the gospel when we turn it into a modern enlightenment listing of facts. Lewis understood this from that night. And I'm sure many, many conversations with Tolkien. In answer to the modernist claim that Christianity is not really believed by anyone anymore, Lewis says, even assuming, which I most certainly deny, that the doctrines of historic Christianity are merely mythical, it is the myth which is the vital and nourishing element in the whole concern. The modern skeptic, says Lewis, wants us to move with the times, to get with it, as it were. Now, responds Lewis, we know where times move. They move away. But in religion, we find something that does, does not move away. It is what the skip, skeptic calls the myth that abides. We must view the gospel and the good creation that God has given us with eyes that can see story, that can see myth, that can believe in fairyland. For if we cannot, we will not see terribly deeply into our charge to bring the greatest myth of the world to the world. Says one commentator regarding our gospel lesson today. Like others of our Lord's miracles, this one was a parable as well, in which he was teaching the apostles principles respecting their future work. The sea is the world, the net is the church, the apostles are fishers of men. Christ is he who, who in the spiritual as in the actual world bids them let down their net and also gathers into it great multitudes of fishes. May we have eyes to see the world in the way in which the scriptures see the world and talk about the world. May we tell the story of the gospels as a story. And let the Holy Spirit do the work of conversion through this greatest story that has ever been told in the land of fairy or in the modern world, which really are not as far apart as we all think they are. Amen.